This is Lake Effect from 89.7 WUWM Milwaukee Public Radio. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Bonnie North. And I'm Mitch Tyke. This summer, we've been looking at agriculture in southeastern Wisconsin as part of our Full Plate series. And it may come as no surprise that much of our agriculture here is wrapped up in dairy. After all, we are the dairy state. But despite the moniker, Wisconsin is not immune to the market forces that drive the price of dairy both here and throughout the country. You might notice when you go to the grocery store that the price of milk varies a lot. In fact, it changes so much that it's routine for some groceries and delis to post the price outside of the store, like signs at a gas station. So what makes the price of milk so variable, and what does that volatility mean for the dairy state? Lake Effect's Joy Power spoke with dairy economist Bob Kropp about the different factors that go into deciding the price of dairy products. I can boil them down to uh, three major factors, really. Uh, of course, one is the level of milk production, how much milk we're producing. And the second would be uh, demand, uh, our domestic demand, how our cheese is selling, butter, fluid milk is selling, how dairy products are selling. And a third one, which is relatively new, they say new, uh, started about uh, 10, 12 years ago, is exports of dairy products. We used to export some dairy products, but usually what we were doing is government subsidizing exports to get rid of excess surplus milk. But now it's a real part of our demand situation, and uh, so we are exporting 14 to 15 percent of our milk supply. So whether exports go up or down is a big factor in milk prices. They were weaker last year, so we had lower milk prices. They're picking up now, and so we're seeing a little stronger milk prices. So I say the three things, production, demand, and exports. And exports. What, what happened about 10 years ago that, that changed that, that made exports a, a much bigger part of the U.S. dairy market? Part of it was tied to our federal uh, dairy policy. From 1950 uh, up to uh, the mid-1990s, the federal government uh, supported uh, farm milk prices at a relatively high level at times. In particularly the late 70s and early 80s, it was a level that encouraged farmers to produce a lot of milk. We had surplus milk. In about 1980-81, the government was buying 10 12% of all the milk. or buying the butter, mm. cheese, non-fat, dry milk off the market to hold the price up to farmers. And that was accumulating, so uh, they, to get rid of it, they went for food for peace. Different programs like that was subsidized to get on the market. That program changed, and so from the mid-1990s on now, we do not support the milk prices at that level. So market forces uh, drive our milk prices now rather than the government program. And the industry uh, gradually got involved, the dairy companies, cooperatives, and private companies, to start looking at the international market. So they have grown developing products and become more active in trade, and of course we have also established a U.S. Dairy Export Council, which helps the industry seek out international markets. The government has uh, trade assistance programs as well. So now many companies look at the international market as part of their real market rather than just trying to get rid of some surplus dairy products. You mentioned inside of that that uh, in the 90s, the federal subsidies really ended. Um, one thing that when I, when I was talking to people about dairy prices in general that seemed to keep coming up was 
how volatile the prices sometimes seem for specifically milk. Why do dairy prices seem to change so much from week to week and sometimes even from day to day, it seems? Well, it's driven, I say, by market forces. We do have a substantial change in uh, milk prices month to month, you said, year to year since the 1990s, since the government got out of the program. And a lot of price volatility and uncertainty that farmers have to deal with, and it's kind of tough on farmers at times because we've seen some awful low milk prices in recent years. Even last year, prices were not very good, especially the first half of the year. So milk is very sensitive to relatively small changes. I mean, it's a perishable product. Farmers got to milk the cows every day. It's got to go to the market. And uh, milk we drink goes through real fast. You can keep cheese and butter a little longer. But you can't store it like corn or wheat or something, wait for better prices. And demand is relatively uh, inelastic. Consumers don't respond greatly to price changes. So it does not take a very large change in milk production, change in exports, or demand to result into one, two, three, four dollar change in the milk price. It's hard for farmers to understand that, but uh, it's basically a highly perishable product that's got to move through the marketing system uh, fairly quickly and a little bit too much, prices are down, a little bit shortage and prices go up. So a great deal of price volatility. And we started in the mid-90s developing the futures markets uh, where you farmers and industry uh, could hedge their cheese, butter on the uh, futures market or milk. Class free futures, for example, price risk management tool to deal with that. We didn't have that prior to that because the government provided the price stability. So it doesn't take big change. And uh, there's some psychology in the market, too. We think that, uh, you know, uh, like the cheese market, um, if they think that uh, cheese is building and it may go lower, buyers come real soft and only buy as they need. So that kind of lessens demand the price may go down, or in the opposite of things, the prices go up, <laughs> they buy ahead and drives a little higher. So, But through time, it's the market forces, the supply and demand situation that is going to drive those prices. But you, uh, yeah, you have times, uh, for example, uh, this is last week, the uh, price of cheese, which is good news, has increased quite a bit uh, the last couple of days. And uh, evidently the buyers are... Uh, thinking that, well, we're moving the summer, it's getting hot. Hear about California, it's very hot out there. Some cows have been dying out there. California's a big milk-producing state. Maybe the supply and demand is going to get tight on cheese, and maybe I ought to buy ahead a little bit. So the market has gone up the last few days. So right now, to that point, what does supply really look like? What are we getting from, specifically, Wisconsin? In you know, Wisconsin, uh, we had a very uh, strong increase in milk production last year. Uh, we went up about 3.5%. That's a lot of a lot of milk. Mm-hmm. In fact, we had 30 billion pounds of milk, and we were down to 22 billion pounds of milk back in 2004. The industry has been growing. Of course, you had stories. We ran out of plant capacity due to some to uh, Canada stopped buying some ultra-filter milk from, uh, from us. So... Uh, right now, it's low. I mean, we're growing, uh, so far this year, we're growing less than 1%, uh, which is still a fair amount of milk. But uh, last year, everything was ideal. The weather was ideal. Uh, feed quality was ideal. Cow's milk very good. Uh, what's more important, well, 
Wisconsin support what they do because we're the second largest milk producing state, and what California number one does has a big impact on the market. But nationwide, uh, we're growing uh, about 2% over a year ago, and that's quite a bit of milk. And uh, uh, we can withstand uh, 1% or so growth in milk production and keep farm prices fairly decent based on domestic demand. So if we get over that, we need that export market to to market some of that product. And uh, we're seeing right now our exports picking up, and that's, that's good news. But as you mentioned, uh, Canada stopped buying some kinds of milk for a bit. This was something that came up uh, with even the president. It, it's something that made national headlines. What was that situation? Because it wasn't quite clear for a lot of people. Well, uh, we had a trade agreement uh, several years ago with Canada. And at that time, milk protein, ultra-filtered milk protein, where we take some of the water out of milk, maintain basically the protein in that milk, and uh, that's good for cheese making, and because uh, the protein in milk, it well, well, as the butter fat determines cheese yield. If you take a lot of the water out, it improves the efficiency of cheese making. You don't have all the whey and stuff that comes out of there. Well, uh, that product didn't exist at that time, so it was not part of the trade agreement with Canada. Canada has a very protective market. They they support milk prices of farmers at a relatively high level quota system that controls their production, and well above world market prices, so they need to have import protection because their prices are so high. Well, it wasn't under there, and, and also with the uh, production control in Canada, milk production does not grow in Canada, and there were cheesemakers up there wanted more milk to supply the market, not only in Canada, but the world market's growing. And so uh, they could they were buying this uh, ultra filtered milk uh, from Wisconsin, mainly Wisconsin and uh, New York, two states where there, there were companies. We had Grassland in Wisconsin that really geared up and supplied that market. It amounted to about a million pounds of milk a day to go to that market. Quite a bit of milk, but uh, anyway, the government said, you know, we just soon have our cheese plants use our milk. Uh, rather than bringing this milk in from Wisconsin, even though the cheesemakers really liked it because it was a good way to make cheese. So they changed the pricing system up there in Canada so that the uh, milk in Canada, they created another class, Class 7. Milk in Canada is now just as cheaper than bringing it in, so it doesn't pay to buy from us anymore. How did that dispute uh, and really the outcome there, how did that impact dairy prices here and, and really the market conditions? It was devastating for those farmers that lost their market. They have, fortunately, others picked it up, but maybe at a lower price, what have you, than they were getting originally from grassland. But the overall price was not impacted that much. Since prices are driven on a national scene, uh, more so than this, what goes on in Wisconsin, it was not a big impact on the price. So the Trump administration is mulling over some uh, tariffs. As kind of a response to that, uh, officials in Europe and around the world have threatened their own tariffs. And one of the things that's been brought up is dairy, tariffs on dairy exports. Is that something that you've heard about? Is that something that you're concerned about? Well, yes. I mean, as I said, that uh, if we're going to grow the, continue to grow the uh, dairy industry, and not only Wisconsin, the U.S., our domestic demand is growing slowly. Fortunately, we eat more cheese every year. That's a bright spot. 
yogurt, but uh, we're going to stand about a 1% growth or so. So we need an international market. And we're, you know, been involved in trade negotiation with the European Union and, and others. In fact, uh, there was a trade agreement that uh, President Trump said we'd not be involved with, which would involve several countries, uh, European countries, but Japan and uh, New Zealand and Canada and others. We need to be involved in those trade negotiations so we have favorable trade, fair trade, and uh, some countries are very protective of their markets. We're trying to break those down to expand trade. So uh, our two largest markets are Mexico and Canada. And there's a lot of talk about NAFTA, which was a trade agreement several years ago between uh, U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And uh, that has removed the tariffs on products from U.S. to Mexico, for example. And they by far are our largest market, particularly for uh, non-fat dry milks get milk powder. And so uh, trade is extremely important, and the trade negotiators will have future ones working out uh, with it. European Union just developed a new trade agreement with Japan, and uh, that concerns us a little bit because Japan is an important market for us. And so if they have more favorable trade there, we may not have as much exports from the U.S. to Japan that, that impacts us. So we're concerned about you know, our trade negotiations and what other countries are developing in trade negotiations. There's been a conversation, you mentioned NAFTA, there's been conversation about renegotiating NAFTA or even, you know, removing it and then finding a new kind of trade agreement. If, if NAFTA suddenly went away, what would that mean for dairy farmers? Well, if we done away with NAFTA and removed our ability to export like we are now to, say, Mexico, that would be quite devastating. That is our lar- by far our largest market. Actually, Mexico and Canada have been accounting for about 30-40% of our total dairy trade. So if somehow they retaliate it, stop buying from us, whatever, you take that amount of exports away from us, we would see uh, the price of milk drop uh, substantially. Well, Robert Krapp, thank you so much for joining us here on Lake Effect and speaking with me today. Okay, thank you. Bob Krapp is a professor emeritus and dairy marketing policy specialist at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. He spoke with Lake Effect's Joy Powers. For a forecast of the U.S. dairy market, you can head to wuwm.com for a web exclusive with Krapp.